Welcome to Professional Pimpology, where we explore pimp rules and philosophies so we don't get pimped at work. Welcome to Professional Pimpology. I'm your host, Miss Ellie. Recently, I had an engaging conversation about the Harlem Renaissance and what it meant to be Black at the time. Harlem, during the early 20th century, was a symbolic capital of Black excellence. I appreciate the extraordinary talents of the time, and I find myself enamored by the photographs of well-dressed Black men and women showcasing their wealth and prosperity. Today, people say we have to get back to that. I'd be lying if I said it wouldn't be nice to be a bougie lady in a picture sipping on the finest wines, living the life of luxury, viewed as a pinnacle in society. But were those pictures a true representation of all of them? And could it ever represent all of us? The truth is, America is a capitalist society. It has always been the survival of the fittest, which created a nation of the haves and have-nots. The Black community has always been disproportionately have-nots. So those glamorous pictures probably didn't reflect the majority of Black people at the time. I will say uh, that at least they ain't telling lies in their photos because they couldn't get a fake fur from AliExpress to stun on them holes on the grams with their built-to-pictures, but that's here nor there. Anyway, the bottom line is that there was always the elite, a.k.a. the bougie, working class, and the poor. They also had their stick-up kids, hustlers, pimps, and whores, too. As far as I can see, the main difference now is the round of applause given to what was once undesirable behavior and the ease of being able to fabricate a life of affluence. Which of these represent the Black community? All of them and none of them. We are not a monolith, and no one experience defines all of us. The working class is a spectrum. Some are closer to the elite, some closer to the bottom, but they're in between nonetheless. Most of us are here. Me, I'm a square. If you don't know, a square is someone who is regular schmegler. They ain't about that street life, like hustling, the sex industry, and whatnot. They, for the most part, go somewhere where they clock in and clock out. There's nothing exciting or glamorous to see here. Despite this being the norm for most of us, there's a fascination with thug life and the whoring that I can't explain. To be fair, we can't say that Black people are the only ones that portray negative behaviors that people emulate. Negativity in the Black community tends to be highlighted to portray a certain narrative, but I know that somebody sniffed baby powder trying to be Scarface. I just know I ain't the only one that being a trans just a bumping and grinding, knowing good and daggone well, I will never promote that in real life. It's just part of the culture, and I'd be lying if I said I don't get a little satisfaction about fantasizing about being bad. Why is that? Talking about, I got holes in different area codes. Meanwhile, I feel like I'm a hole, and low-key, you might be one too. Try me, bitch. Not a ho-ho, but a hole. Which brings me to the premise of this podcast. Y'all, I'm tired of being pimp. Oh my God. I'm not talking about using what's between my thighs. I'm talking about working that nine to five. These employers got us dropping it low and spreading it wide in these proverbial streets. They demanded we work schedules we ain't never agreed to. 
giving us tasks way beyond the scope of our job descriptions. We out here dealing with favoritism and nepotism and the pay, hmm, we ain't even gonna talk about the pay. There are times that it's mutually beneficial to take on additional tasks, like increasing responsibilities to prepare for a leadership role, or sometimes you help your team because you're a team player. But these employers be dragging it. Quite frankly, sometimes it's flat out exploitation and abuse. You ever find yourself repeatedly covering for somebody, doing their job and yours? The gag is, Big Brother already know, but they letting it slide. All of a sudden, the support you was giving your coworker becomes your actual job. I feel like if we gotta do your job, then we should spend your paycheck. I get all the praise and glory of being dependable and reliable, but none of the associated perks. The bottom bitch is not always the most rewarded bitch. Bottom bitch, a pimp's most loyal bitch. If you feeling this hard body, I hate to break it to you, but you've been pimped by your job. The sad part is most of us were trained by our parents to be bottom bitches. Pull yourselves up by the bootstraps, like they gave us boots to begin with, and I'll work everyone so that you can shine and be seen. You do all this, and a lot of times you don't even get a good job, champ. You tired of shit and can't even afford to go on vacation or get braces for Bonquisha. You get mad and be like, Fuck this shit, I'm <laughs> Bitch, now you know you lying. You've been sitting in that dusty ass cubicle for years. Nod your head in silent solidarity if you know it's true. I'm not trying to hate, but I don't understand why I'm always being told how great and useful I am. But when it comes to getting a promotion, it's... Meanwhile, mediocre Bob from accounting bitch ass get a round of applause and the associated pay that goes with it. I wanna know, is it me? Question mark. True, I'm a little quirky and I've never been the popular girl, but doesn't the work and consistency speak for itself? And to be fair, maybe there are things I need to work on that I'm not aware of. It seems like there's certain types of people with certain personalities that seem to get ahead without working mad hard, and I ain't one of them. Perhaps I just don't understand the rules of engagement and the politics of it all, but I want to find out. There are social constructs that dictate our ranking in our society's invisible caste system. Race, gender, social economic status, beauty standards, and so forth, both on a micro and macro scale. A lot of these things we can't change. These classifications often lead to assumptions and expectations. If I'm being honest, most stereotypes are derived from some level of truth. Those perceptions often determine how you are treated at work and everywhere else in the world. But you know who transcends that? Hips. I'm hypothesizing that it's something in their personality that gives off a certain je ne sais quoi. It's highly likely that they started off marginalized and disenfranchised like many of us. However, some acquire money, power, and respect in a short period of time, reimagining the American dream and the pathway to it. As a result, pimps gain admiration and a cult following. It may be frowned upon to humanize them because let's face it, many of them have done some horrible and deplorable things. As a woman and a mother, I would never justify the exploitation of anyone in any form, especially children. Although I can understand their motivations, this lifestyle, as well as thug life and hustling, has led to the degradation of our community. Nonetheless, I believe that there is value in analyzing the psychology of the pimps. For those of you that don't know, 
The general term for a pimp is someone who manages individuals who engage in sexual acts for money. The term hoe has many meanings, but in this podcast, the hoes are prostitutes. They engage in sexual acts for money. A John is someone who pays for sexual engagement. There's a host of reasons as to why someone might pay to play, but we will address that at a later time. Sometimes they're called tricks and a hoe term tricks. A pimp is normally a man. Female pimps are regarded as madams. Hoes are normally women. Johns are often men as well. However, in all roles, the individuals can be a he, she, or them. Fun fact, the word pimp first appeared in English in the 16th century. The origin is unknown, but may have stemmed from the old French word pimper, meaning to dress up elegantly, and from the present French pimpant, meaning alluring and seductive dress. Now back to our regular program. If there's one thing we know, pimps are dressed to the nines. They show up and show out. That's why the word pimped can be used to describe something that's fly, like the show Pimp My Ride with Exhibit or the song Big Pimpin' by Jay-Z, which describe living a lavish lifestyle. The word pimp became part of our daily vocabulary. It's funny how when I ask people, you ever been pimped by your job? Everybody knew what I was talking about. In this relationship, the pimp is the manager and the employer. The hoe is the employee. In theory, the pimp will be provided protection for the hoes. The pimp should be procuring non-problematic pussy for the johns, negotiating pay, and providing safety for the hoe. The hoe provides this service for the john and gives the pimp an agreed cut in exchange for his management. The john is a consumer and the reason the demand even exists. As of today, prostitution is illegal in every state except Nevada. A proper pussy broker makes the exchange easier for all parties involved. Everyone involved can face criminal prosecution under the law for their role in their exchange. This arrangement could be mutually beneficial for all parties involved, but typically the whole has the least control in the situation. A whole normally sells their body out of necessity. If the pimp decides to change the terms and condition, the whole often stays because it would be probably more dangerous without them. Sometimes, the pimp uses coercion to threaten the holes. They need the holes to maintain their lifestyle and often inflate their independence of the said holes. The truth is, they both need each other. Unfortunately, pimping is a big part of the culture, especially in Black communities. As stated previously, the struggle resonates with a lot of us. Many of us are living in a country that wasn't designed for us. There are only a few affirmative action spots and we are crabs in a barrel trying to get out. Before the internet and social media, there were few pathways to success, and even less for people of color. You had to have the privilege to receive an education, i.e. little outside obligations, money to go to school, etc. Many didn't have the proper foundations to even try, but yes, I know there's some who did. For some, street life provided an opportunity. It's an entry-level, no-education-needed entrepreneurship that provides fast, tax-free money. Then, all of a sudden, they are living a life with fancy cars and bad bitches. Meanwhile, we out here trying to make an honest living and getting clowned on. Why is that? It's no wonder the lifestyle is appealing to so many despite the costs and effects. Forget the white picket fence, they got golden gates. Robert Beck, also known to us as Iceberg Slim, is the most prolific pimp of our times, so it was only fitting that I analyze him first. He gained worldwide notoriety after he published his first book and memoir, Pimp, The Story of My Life in 1967. This book was revolutionary because it gave us a never-before-seen glimpse of the dark underbelly world of pimping. 
Iceberg Slim started pimping when he was 18 years old and did it for about 20 to 25 years. He pimped over 400 women by his own account. By the time he was 42, he stopped pimping and led a square life. He married a woman who was four months pregnant. They had two kids and he became an exterminator and a salesman. It was his wife that thought his stories were so good that he should write it down, and the rest was history. By 1973, it had been reprinted 19 times and had sold nearly 2 million copies. Pimp was eventually translated into German, French, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, Dutch, Swedish, Finnish, and Greek. The book is still relevant today and has had continued success. He published 11 books in total before his death in 1992. Slim's second book and first novel, Trick Baby, was adapted as a movie in 1972. Universal Pictures acquired the film and released it in 1973. The movie grossed $11 million at the U.S. box office. We need to pause and reflect on how remarkable this success was from a black man in the 1970s. Adjusted for inflation, $11 million is worth $72,466,081 today. Let's also keep in mind that they amassed this amount with movie tickets costing $1.76 and a predominantly Black audience. Most of us couldn't imagine that level of reach today, even without technological advances and social media. I feel like this is the perfect time for me to insert a shameless plug by asking you to subscribe and share Professional Pimpology, available on all streaming platforms. In 2012, Ice-T came out with a documentary called Iceberg Slim, Portrait of a Pimp. It showed clips from Iceberg himself talking about the lifestyle and interviewed Chris Rock, Henry Rollins, Ice-T, Snoop Dogg, and Quincy Jones. Seemed like the interviewees denounced the lifestyle but kind of glorified it. It's interesting because when Iceberg wrote his books, he had two rules, don't glorify pimping and don't snitch. He described the pimp as an ill man and a victim of the male white society. Iceberg stated that it was unfortunate that many misguided black men missed the message of his book. Despite being extremely intelligent, he was incarcerated numerous times and developed a heroin habit. Although he did have successful moments as a pimp, he feels like it was a waste of his life. According to him, the culprit was street poison and rationalizing stupidity. Iceberg stated he was influenced by the pimps and other hustlers' infestation of diamonds and sense of importance. Sounds familiar? Nowadays, it seems like everyday people appropriate street culture to perpetuate a lifestyle that is often a facade. Even if it isn't, there's often a price to pay and in hindsight isn't worth it. When Iceberg did go straight and became an author, he got pimped by his publisher, Holloway House, in my humble opinion. Oh, hell no. How did the pimp become the hoe? Times were different then. We're talking 1960s, early 1970s. There weren't a lot of venues for black writers at the time. As a result, a lot of talent was exploited as certain rights and protections were not in place. It was even more difficult for Iceberg, who had built a notorious reputation for pimping and his content about it. According to sources, Royalty checks from Holloway House didn't match his work's extraordinary sales figures. When Iceberg looked at the breakdown sheet, the checks didn't add up to the number of books sold. The math simply wasn't mapping. Holloway House has vehemently denied these claims. So what does that mean for us? We ain't trying to pimp, and we ain't trying to be pimp. While there is still room for improvement, there has been major strides for protections of people of color, employees, 
and businesses dealing in most industries. My recommendation is to get educated in whatever field you're in. Know your rights. There's a wealth of information and we have Google now. Network and be around the people that can inspire you and maybe even mentor you. Reimagine your future and create that vision. What does it look like to you? You could even create a vision board to visualize it. Writing it down can be useful too. If you don't like your current situation, weigh out your options. Pimping or other criminal activities should not be one of them. Don't give your power away. Generate a plan with tangible steps to move forward. I've studied business extensively, but I use this approach in every situation I have. First, do a SWOT analysis. Identify the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats in your current situation. After doing this, decide if a change needs to happen. Next, create SMART goals. SMART is an acronym for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Being specific means defining exactly what you're trying to do. Measurable is what steps will you take that will give you the evidence that you're making the progress. Because if we're not making any progress, then what's even the point of continuing, right? Then you wanna make sure it's achievable. Make sure that it's practical. While miracles can happen, the likelihood of a 40-year-old woman with two hip replacements being a stripper bigger than Black China is slim to none, right? Bruh. Emotional damage. Next, you wanna make sure that it's relevant. Your goals should align with your values and long-term objectives. What's the point of achieving something that you realize you didn't even want? And lastly, it should be time-bound. When do you want to complete the goal? While things can change and you want to be flexible, you don't want to leave this open-ended. This is how people stay in dead-end jobs for 20 years. They're always going to do something, but never actually do it. I'm still working on my strategy to live the life I want to live. I ain't trying to be the pimper, but I for damn sure ain't trying to be the pimpy. Do we have to choose? I'm not sure, but we're going to find out. I was going to stop the podcast here, but something just happened this weekend that really burnt my biscuit, so I had to include my rant. As I stated previously, we have Google now, and information is at arm's reach. But when people ask why people don't ask for help, this might be one of the reasons why. I saw an event on Eventbrite for small businesses in New York City. They were offering $1,500 of free business resources, including a free company website and LLC. I was super excited and logged in this morning. A lot of things were basic, but they were dropping a lot of gems too. The host was super engaging and I trusted them. So much so that I thought about paying the $4.99 a month for their services. I was ecstatic when they announced that they would offer their services at a reduced rate. I was on the registration page when the Q&A portion came up. I asked a question about whether or not I should have a holding company or separate LLCs. I didn't plan on sharing this, but this podcast is step one in my overall plan. Instead of answering my question, he decided to impart his opinion as to why he thought I should just do one at a time. My biggest pet peeve is when someone withholds information because they don't understand your vision. It's even more off-putting when the free webinar was a solicitation for a membership and my question was being ignored before I paid. Would you ignore me if I pay? Question mark. Even worse, it bothers me when someone who doesn't know your story invalidates your experiences and call it an excuse. As a free thinker and someone who was there for all of my life experiences, I should be free to try whatever I want as long as it's not illegal. The only thing he should have done was list the pros and cons and let me decide. If I lose time and money, it's my lesson to learn. This up because there's a lot of judgment and condescension on people who do undesirable things. You cannot help anyone from a place of assumptions and judgment. 
The only time I judge is when someone's actions make someone else a victim. I can never justify infringing on the rights of someone or exploiting them for your own come up. Other than that, I try to lend my support when asked. There are a lot of people trying to make a change in their lives and they get faced with this. Try your best not to be a stumbling block for others because you feel like you're in a better place. And if you end up being the victim of that person, there are other people that can help you. Keep going. Even if you have a negative experience, take the value that was there and discard the rest. A few years ago, my teenage daughter stated that she wanted to start a lash line. I actually hated the idea. I did give her the reasons as to why I thought it was a bad idea, but I told her that if she was gonna do it, well, here's some ways about going about it. I sent her links about general business and YouTube videos about lash businesses. She never started it, but at least I gave her the information she asked for. At work, there are often high-level managers that override the concerns of the lower-level employees. Sometimes it's necessary, but sometimes there is value in the opinions of the front line. It's for that reason I devised a plan to phase out working for an employer. I need a place to express my creativity and validate my own vision. Some of you may have the same journey. Some of you want to move up in a company. All listeners get the same respect from me. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Ms. Ellie. Join me and fellow pimpologists as we explore professional pimpology. Study the street rules of pimps so we don't become simps. My podcast can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. You can also follow us on IG and Facebook. Until then, be safe out there.